This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The pitch, a swing and a drive, deep left field. Welcome to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. That ball is hit hard and deep to left field, backing to the track, to the wall. And the countdown to opening day show presented by Amron. Wainwright picks out the sign. The pitch is swung on a miss. Throw to second base. Strike him out. Throw him out. Double play. On the Cardinals Radio Network. And we do welcome you in to Countdown to Opening Day. We are presented by Amron. It's great to have you with us alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauley. It is our final edition as uh, we are just about completed counting down to opening day. I'm in St. Louis. Let's get out to uh, Jupiter, Florida. That's where Mike Claiborne still is. And Claibs, it's, uh, there, there's about a week left to go here in spring training. But uh, my goodness, from my perspective, it feels like it's everything is just about here. Well, I agree, Matt. It's uh, been an interesting spring training because we've had so much competition. Uh, but the thing that I, that really stands out to me is uh, this team has been very sharp from day one. And uh, they're going to go into the season really feeling good about things. And I'm anxious to see how they fare. It's going to be a fun year. Uh, the competition has just been really incredible. And we still don't know who's going to be doing what when the rosters uh, come out next week. No, we don't. There's a lot of tough decisions still to be made. Uh, what's it been like as, you know, I, I was there when players were leaving for the WBC. Then all of a sudden players started to come back. It's a weird, generally the clubhouse gets emptier and emptier during spring. But this is one of those springs where actually it fills up at least a, a little bit more as players are coming back. What has that dynamic been like? It's been quiet. You know, guys are just trying to get themselves back on a sleep habit. Uh, Tyler O'Neill was dealing with a little stomach bug. Tommy Edmond was just trying to get himself acclimated to uh, the, the time zone. And uh, guys are just, you know, pacing themselves. As you know, this is a long grind, and it's going to take a lot of time out of, and, and energy out of people. So they just want to make sure they pace themselves so when this thing starts for real, and it'll be here before you know it, they'll be ready to go. Yeah, Oliver Marmel has talked a lot about the way they kind of put together the spring training plan, and they push down on the on the gas a little bit, but then they put on the brake, and they try to just kind of go in waves in terms of how hard they're pushing guys. A couple weeks ago, they were able to try, to try to let up a little bit. That's an important thing. That's something that I don't know if all organizations think as hard about it as the Cardinals do, but it really can uh, help determine how healthy you are coming out of camp. Well, that's a good point you make, uh, and I don't think teams – pay attention like that. I, I think that different people have different approaches, but, you know, they've been through this as a team, as a coaching staff, uh, so they kind of know how to push this. And I, I think that they've had the highs and lows. And, you know, they've given a lot of guys, you know, when this is all said and done, Matt, there's not a player in this camp, if he doesn't make the team, they can say, I didn't get enough reps. They didn't give me a long enough look. Uh, that won't be the case because there are some guys who may not make this team. They're going to have maybe 40 at-bats in the spring which is a lot. So it's been well thought out. I, I tip my cap to Ollie and, and the whole staff and how they work this thing out. They don't waste a pitch. They don't waste a swing. They don't waste a drill. It, it just all comes together at the right time. Clay, something we talked about a fair amount before spring training got started was how different it was going to be in camp for the catchers now that Yadier Molina was not around. And you even mentioned at one point, maybe they need to bring in extra instructors or create positions within the player development system to kind of do some of the things that, that Yadi did. Wilson Contreras has been 
an incredible worker throughout this entire thing. And so how would you evaluate kind of the way things have gone for catchers so far in camp? Well, Contreras is fine. Uh, you know, he got off to a slow start, but, you know, he he found his mark and he he's fine. Uh, other than that, th- this team is very deficient in catching that can help this team this year. There may be some guys down the road that might be able to step in uh, in a year or two. But right now, um, the backup catching role is non-existent. I mean, uh, they've given everyone a chance and none of these guys can generate enough offense. Um, some guys are better handlers of pitchers than others. But it's a concern. I mean, think about the fact that Wilson Contreras, when he was catching every day, uh, the most games he caught was like 138. And that was like five years ago. So to put that onus on him to be able to produce in that manner, I, I think we're asking for a little too much. So how they come up and figure this out is going to be a real question because even if you look around other rosters around baseball, you know, most backup catchers are who they are. But, you know, you just can't give away a bat. You, you have to have nine guys in the order that can create something. And right now, without if Contreras is not catching, they don't have that. I would argue that. I don't want to see him catching 138 games. That takes a toll on your body, and as important yeah. as his bat is, if he can be in that closer to 125 to 130 range, maybe get five to ten more starts as the DH. But to your point, if you're going to do that, if you're going to pull him out of some games, you got to feel like you're going to get at least something from the guy who's in his place. But the best thing for the Cardinals is being able to get Wilson off his feet on occasion, off his feet. Oh, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, and you have to have some continuity with the pitching staff as well. But uh, right now, I don't see it in this camp, not just from a, a offensive standpoint. You know, I really haven't seen any catchers really assert themselves. You know, Pajes is, is a guy who frames pitches reasonably well. The other guys, are just, just, they just haven't lived up to the hope that you would expect for a big league catcher. You think about it, and this team is so deep in so many spots. Uh, you don't want to see a Nolan Arnato or a Paul Goldschmidt go down, but because you've got somebody like Brendan Donovan on the team, you won't get the same kind of production if those guys were to miss extended time, but you're going to get production. Really, the only spot on the roster that you don't have a lot of security for, or any security at all, is that catcher's position. Yeah, and you know when you look around baseball, you know there are some teams that maybe have two or three holes to plug. Uh, Cardinals just have that one, and it's not a, a regular position, but certainly uh, you want to have a guy that you can run out there on a Thursday or afternoon or a Sunday afternoon on a getaway day and, and give you a chance. I mean, if it's not a base hit, how about a fly ball or move a runner along? You know, we, we guys here just either pounding it in the ground or hitting in the double plays. And, you know, I, I would say, well, you know, they're just having some tough luck. No, this is the same thing we saw last year and a year before. So it, it's not working. And how they fix it, they have time. Uh, you, you won't be in dire need of a backup catcher until you get deeper into the season, but you better have somebody ready to go. We talk each week about Jordan Walker. It continues to seem like he's uh, on the on the trajectory to make the team. Maybe he didn't have as good of an offensive week this past week as he had in previous weeks, but there's also something to be said that yeah, the Cardinals play the Nationals and the Marlins and the Astros so often. There's a little bit of a book out on him. What are you seeing from him just maybe as pitchers are adjusting the way that they're throwing to him? Well, you know what? They're trying to throw him off-speed stuff. Uh, he has no problem catching up to the fastball. Uh, they're throwing him sliders away. They're, they're trying to make him swing at bad pitches. And to his credit, he's really held off of that. You know, he has an area that he feels like he's comfortable in swinging at. And, and if it's not there, he he won't swing. Uh, you know, now he'll get fooled every now and then, but who doesn't? But I, I'm impressed with his plate discipline where he doesn't get himself out. He doesn't give away at bats. 
the Cardinals made a somewhat interesting move on Tuesday when uh, they made the decision to reassign to minor league camp both pitchers, uh, Dakota Hudson and Matthew Liebertor. It feels like those two guys are kind of at, at different spots. Liebertor, his last major league appearance, was pretty good. It feels like maybe, uh, and I think Oliver Marmel even said it was the best he'd ever seen him. So it feels like maybe there's a little bit of positive momentum towards Liebertor. But then from Hudson's standpoint, he really did not have a very good spring. Well, they both turned the corner. Now, the problem is they were turning in different directions. Uh, Libertor showed legitimate improvement from what we saw last year. I, I think he still has to work on some things. Uh, you know, it, it won't be too far where you'll be saying there's nothing more he can do in Memphis. Uh, with Dakota Hudson, this goes back to last year, his pace of play, his inability to throw strikes. The walks came back to haunt him. You know, he would get off the hook from time to time because he could throw a double play ball because of his sinker. But – you know, he's a guy that just hasn't been able to find a plan B. And, and Ali made a point the other day about assessing players. You know, you, you when the guy shows up to the ballpark, you look for him to do good things. But you also look for a guy who, if he's struggling, how does he deal with it? You know, does he have a plan B? And, and right now, Hudson doesn't have one. And I think this is a legitimate wake-up call to him and his career to be sent out this early for a guy who won 16 ball games in his career. Uh, he's got some work to do. And, um, you know, how he gets it figured out, I don't know. And he's he may be there for a while unless somebody on the starting rotation has a slow leak or a flat tire. Uh, but, you know, there's some other questions that have to be answered, too. And, and I think Jake Woodford falls in that category. What do you do with Woodford? Uh, the, the biggest challenge this organization has right now is how they're going to fill out this pitching staff from starters to bullpen. It's going to be very challenging. I don't know about you, Klaibs. When as an organization you sit here and you say – if you go out and perform, you're going to have a job. I think what you do, Jake Woodford's gone out and performed. Like I, I don't know how you don't give him some sort of major league job. Yeah, but who do you who do you remove? I don't know. Then again, and see I, that's that's the challenge. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, you know, when you look at guys in the rotation, you know, okay, Mike Lewis and Flaherty, they're going to be there. Stephen Match is going to be there. Jordan Montgomery hasn't been stellar, but he hasn't been terrible. And then, you know, the elephant in the room is Adam Wainwright. What is he going to offer you? You know, how, how many innings can he give you? How many starts can he win? So you you got that to deal with. So, you know what? I, I think this is going to be something that they're going to have to get really creative. I don't know if you want to go with a six-man rotation or not. That that throws some people off. But you got pitching that you don't want to waste. I don't know what else Jake Woodford can do in Memphis. You know, but when you look at the bullpen and you think about a Drew Verhagen, who's been really good. Uh, Packy Naughton got roughed up the other day, but he's been good for the most part. I, I think a guy who's coming out of nowhere is Andrew Suarez, and I haven't even mentioned uh, Andre Pallante. Yeah, We don't know what he has. So, you know, that, there could be a guy that finds himself in Memphis because there's no room at the end. And, you know, in some cases, the WBC wasn't good to everyone. You know, you think about Jojo Romero. Jojo Romero really needed to be here in order to be on this roster. Uh, he elected to play elsewhere, and I certainly respect that. But I think that there's some guys who may have cost themselves some valid playing time and opportunity to be a contributor on this ball club. That's Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. We've got a lot coming up during these two hours, including kind of an end-of-camp conversation that Claib's had with uh, Oliver Marmel. It's all coming up. This is Amron Countdown to Opening Day. We're back with more in a moment on the Cardinals Radio Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. Head to Bush Stadium for college night Tuesday, April 4th or Monday, April 17th with the purchase of a theme ticket. Fans will take home an exclusive Cardinals sweatshirt. For details, visit cardinals.com slash theme. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron. My name's Matt Pauley, Mike Claiborne. He's standing by with Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel. Well, Ali Marmel, things are winding down as far as the training camp is concerned. And one of the things that I've noticed, and I'm sure you have too, you said it, how clean this camp has been as far as the attention to detail. What do you think has been the key to that? Because you guys have really had it going your way from day one. Uh, yeah, it, it has been a clean camp, and that's credit to uh, the guys for coming in ready and um, their ability to pay attention to the small details of the game. Uh, from day one, they've been locked in. Our staff has done a good job of continuing to layer drill on drill and, and adding constraints to the way we go about our day in order for them to keep the focus as necessary to execute. But uh They've been good about it. So our, our young guys, and credit to our minor league system, they came in. And with the WBC, man, we're, we're missing a lot of guys. And the reality is they've uh, they've started a lot of games and they've played clean baseball. So we've been happy with uh, with what we've put out. Between the pandemic and the WBC, do you think you'll ever see a real spring training? <laughs> that's, that's the ones we used to know? Yeah, this one felt pretty normal. I mean, the WBC, we, we did lose a lot of guys too, but it was still nice to be able to communicate with our guys in the offseason and to get here and have a, a real um, lengthy spring training and get guys ready and built up. So for the most part, um, we enjoyed the spring. You know, one of the things I would say about the WBC, and you saw it, it gave you a chance to get a look, a longer look at some players. And I think for the most part, I've seen some guys that really accounted for themselves well. Who, in your opinion, jumps out? Yeah, it, it did give us a chance to lay eyes on guys that normally we would either run out of at-bats for or run out of innings for. Um, and the young guys did a nice job. We got to see Graceffo for a longer period of time than we would have and McGreevy. Um, I mean, Mason Wynn has gotten a, a really long look in camp with some of the injuries to Paul DeYoung and Edmund being uh, in the WBC, and he showed really well. He's further along with the bat than I would have anticipated. He's playing really good defense and under control. So being able to lay eyes on these guys for a little bit longer has been, uh, has been a benefit. You've had a chance to sit in the dugout with Wynn and, and Walker. What stands out? What makes them stand out so much? Because they seem like these guys have been around for a while. Um, One of the best traits that they both actually have is regardless of how the game's going, um, they're even keel. Um, The other day, Mason struck out three times and and Walker grounded into two double plays, leaving five guys on base. And you go into the dugout and you watch them closely when that happens to see how they react. And you wouldn't know if they were 4-for-4 or 0-for-4. And that's that's a really good thing. One of the things I notice in you and how you evaluate players, they all come out here with the expectation of doing well. You pay attention when they don't do well, how, how their body language is, how they react, and how they recover? Yeah, it's it's easy to go about it the right way when everything's clicking and you're feeling good and hitting doubles and homers and feeling confident about your game, but it's how you react when you're punched in the face with a little bit of adversity. And uh, that's who you truly are. So being able to evaluate them when things aren't going well, for me, is uh, 
essentially more important than anything. Who's been the leader for that on this ball club? I mean, we see Goldie. Goldie's that guy. He can go 4 for 4 or 0 for 4, and he still has the same expression on his face. Who else do you see that really kind of permeates that with this ball club? Yeah, Goldie sets the example for that. He does a really nice job with it. If you remember, he didn't start off the season as hot as he would have liked and uh, ends up as the MVP, and that's uh, credit to his ability to stay in the moment and, and present and not um, complicate things by trying to do too much. And that's what a, a lot of the league does is they – they, they try to make it all up in one game, and the reality is you, you just need to stay with it and stay present. And uh, he does that well, and it allows our younger guys to mimic it. So if you're going to mimic it after somebody, that's not a bad career to to do it after. You know, one of the things I, I envy you and then I don't envy you about being the manager of this team because there's some good players that have shown in this spring training camp that they deserve to be on a major league roster, but there just isn't room in some cases. Is this the toughest situation you've been involved in? It, <laughs> It's not that it's not tough. It's just part of the industry mm-hmm. and part of being a, a, with the, this type of organization, a, a championship-caliber organization. So there's going to be a lot of guys that have contributed at the big league level that they, there's just not a spot for breaking camp. Does that mean they won't contribute to us winning at some point throughout the season? No, they'll join us at some point. But leaving here and, and being in St. Louis for opening day, um, it'll be some tough conversations, some some frustrated um, guys, but at the end of the day, it's just part of what we do. Yeah, and you know, you've been on the other side of that. You were a player, so you know how that conversation works. Is that the toughest thing for a manager when you have to have that conversation? It's not, and hopefully, you've laid some groundwork for the expectations and the standards that they're being held to. Um, and there's been accountability along the way. And when you do that, it's not. It's not a surprise to the guys because you're in constant communication as to here's what it's looking like, here's where you stand, and here's where it's headed unless a change is made. And um, for the most part, you're, you're not catching these guys by surprise. Um, so we try to communicate enough that when you're having to share the final news of you're breaking camp with us or you're not, um, that they understand where it's coming from. Let's talk about the rule changes, the, the pitch clock. We seem like as a team we've embraced it reasonably well. Give me your thoughts on it, and how much does that change how you do things as a manager? I love it. I mean, we're, we're playing games in two hours and 20 minutes, two hours and 30 minutes, rather than three hours and 40 minutes. And the reality is you, you're eliminating a lot of the just the dead time that this yeah. game has. So um, I, I'm absolutely loving the pitch clock. I think it, it's it's a good thing for the game. It's a good thing for fans. Um, the, the way it will impact specifically that rule is just making sure you get guys ready sooner and, and uh out of that bullpen and knowing guys that take a little bit longer to get ready and giving them ample time to do that. So that's kind of the main the main thing. You know, uh, the other thing, and obviously you decided you want to have a track meet the other day with the stolen bases, how much of an impact is that going to have on how you manage? Because you have some guys who can steal bases. They just haven't done a lot of it. But now with the pitch clock, the bigger base, only being able to throw over the first twice, there's a lot of things that could open up the gate for you. Yeah, yesterday we kind of started – green lighting some guys and allowing them to to pick some spots based on game situation um, and open it up for the next seven days or so. Um, early in camp, you're a little bit more hesitant to let them get their legs under them and, and not push it too much, but focus more on the fundamentals of, of hitting the front part of the bag and rounding the bases properly, cutting your angles, that, that type of thing. But now we're going to open it up and allow, allow these guys to do what they do. And uh, yesterday was a good example of being able to take that extra 90 feet whenever given. You know, one of the things about this team, and I've always felt they were very fundamentally sound, 
these guys really know how to run the bases. That doesn't mean they're base stealers, but running the bases, I think, is just as important. It, it, it is, and it's something that the staff finds important. If they don't do it, well, that's on us, right? We get paid to make sure that they understand the small nuances of this game, and that's defensively and, and um, on the bases. They're, they're going to focus on their hitting. That's what they get paid to do. So making sure that they're, they're well-rounded and find importance in, in those other areas is a big part of our job. You know, and I'll think of a guy right off the top, I think for a rookie – a 20-year-old, now 21, Mason Wynn might be as good of a base runner at his age as I've seen in a long time. Yeah, he's uh, he does a nice job, and there's a lot of things that he'll learn along the way uh, with how we do it at, at this level and how to pick his spots and not just rely on his speed, um, but apply his speed to, to really good situations that give him the highest probability of having success. So um, he's got a nice uh, baseline for it, and we're going to continue to develop it. Aside from Walker and Wynn, who else has impressed you in camp? Um, for me, I look at Nolan Gorman. I think he's so much more relaxed playing second base. He's a lot more flexible, and you see his confidence level higher. Yeah, it's super interesting to me. Heading to camp last year, all we talked about was Gorman, and then we didn't break and with the team and joined us later, and it was, I mean, it was constant. When is he coming up? When is he coming up? And we don't talk about him enough. This is a kid that is having a really, really good camp. Looks very relaxed on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively. It's a different player. He uh, has an answer for the high fastball, which he didn't last year, which will allow him to at the very least foul off that pitch and give it, buy himself another one. So uh, I think we're going to see a, a very productive Gorman moving forward. For those who didn't have a chance to watch your ball club down in spring training, what's the one thing when they come out to watch you guys this year that you would say, keep an eye on this? Yeah, I mean, this club wants to be described two ways, and that's uh, they want to be known as being smart and relentless. And uh, yesterday was an example of what's to come when it, with the small details of being smart about when we pick our spots and being relentless when we're given the opportunity. Uh, there's going to be games where you bang it around, you score a lot of runs. There's going to be games where you have to manufacture a run and figure out ways to speed that pitcher up and take that extra 90 feet when given. And uh, when those two things come together, it's a lot of fun. Final question for Oliver Marmel. Players in the offseason lift weights and work out and do all the things to get ready for a season. What do you do in the offseason to say, I want to be better at this or that when the season rolls around? Yeah, actually, um, spend a lot of time on just uh, leadership and development and, and spend time with people outside of the game, uh, more in the business world and the high performance side of things and, and figure out ways to apply some of the things that they've experienced in their own industries to what we do here. And a lot of the times um, it carries over, whether that's with uh, how to develop staff or how to better communicate with players. How to? I mean, there's a lot of things that I've learned outside of the game that I've applied to the game that has been a benefit. People, when they say the term manager, they think about managing the lineup, but you manage people, whether it's your coaches, whether it's your players, and that, there's a skill that comes with that. Who has had the biggest impact on you outside of baseball when it comes to helping you become a better manager? Oh, man. Um, there's several names that come to mind, and all of them are business-related, um, whether they've ran very large corporations, uh, CEOs, um, and high-performance coaches like uh, Michael Gervais and others who have poured into me and, and allowed me to create a framework for how I operate. And uh, when we talk about honesty and just the way that I communicate with the players and with staff, um, a lot of it comes from my interactions with them. Yeah. You know, um, we're going to play – we're going to talk – like this for at least 162 and I'm thinking when it's all said and done probably closer to 190 when you think about postseason are you ready I'm ready for every bit of it can't wait to see your smiling face sir all right appreciate it guys. that was Mike Claiborne with Oliver Marmel and this is countdown to opening day on the Cardinals radio network
The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. Did you hear about the new songwriter who has the ear of some folks in the country music industry? It is none other than Adam Wainwright. Read all about Uncle Charlie's new way to deliver a hook in the latest Cardinals magazine. Subscribe at 314-345-9000 or cardinals.com slash magazine. Christina Whitlock is going to be the first ever woman to serve as a uniform coach in the Cardinals organization. She's going to be part of the staff with Peoria this upcoming season. Before I left Jupiter, I got the chance to uh, sit down and talk with her. First thing I asked her though was is she ready to not just be known as the first woman to be doing this but just to be viewed as another coach uh, yes <laughs> yes i know that um it's it is an exciting time for women in the game um because we are you know paving the way for what the future may look like um i know in the girls game of fast pitch we've had a lot of men that crossed over into coaching and it was a is a good time for them and now it's a time for for the ladies but yes it, it'd be nice just to be able to um just jump in and um, not a big deal not being made of it. You were supposed to be doing this a couple of years ago. COVID hit. Uh, last year you had an interesting role based out of here in Jupiter. Now you, you get to do this. What's it been like over these last couple of years where you thought you were going to have this experience but it didn't happen when maybe you thought it was going to happen? Uh, well, <laughs> it seems to be going according to my personal life plan in the sense of like, you know, you just never know what exactly is going to go on so I think that that's life and um, you know sometimes it'll throw you a curveball sometimes it'll throw you a fastball and I think you just have to be prepared to adjust right adapt and improvise that seems to be one of the the mottos that we have here so that's what I've been doing over the last few years (laughs) Can you talk to me a little bit about what your role was here in Jupiter last year when you were in that kind of that dual coaching data type role? I took a fellowship, um, and it was basically data collection, and I worked with TrackMan, Blast Motion, Edutronic Camera, and what we would do is set up for games and practices, and we would just collect the data on the performance and make sure that we were able to facilitate that by getting that to um, the right people in our analytics department so they could actually then turn that data into something that w- that measure all the measurable data points into something that was useful. So, and I did video as well. Regular people, we get to see StatCast data. You're talking about TrackMan and everything else that goes on. How much more is there? Like what The information that you're getting, how much more is there compared to what somebody like me is able to see? Oh, gosh. I mean, there's probably there are data points and metrics that I'm not even privy to. So I think it's really kind of uh, it's probably unlimited in regards to what's out there you know because it seems like every season some someone's seeing the game from a different perspective and creating their their own metric or their own way to to measure or capture you know something in via video and so I think it's it's unlimited you know um, and the potential that you have to be able to you know view the game. So you personally, you have a long-time coaching career. You grew up playing baseball, eventually started playing softball, and you did that at South Carolina and beyond that. The fact that you have this coaching background but also an analytic background, how unique does that make you to be able to work with young players like you're going to be doing? Oh, I think that it will help just facilitate um, game plans and also um, scouting reports, you know, being able to have that, that understand or be able to, you know, be a liaison between um, the data and the, and the player, you know, um, just to bring a little bit more understanding to that. Now, I don't have an analytic background <laughs> in regards to um, being able to compute or formulate any of that stuff. Mine was my, my expertise came <laughs> in just data collection. 
so just understanding how you know video worked and how that so if there's you know any need for it um, I can help out in that sense I talk to players all the time and I think where I would have a hard time is there is so much data as a player how in the world do you say okay this is useful but I can just throw away this doesn't really mean anything this isn't going to help me is that something that you can help players with like kind of going through things and figuring out what they can actually use to make themselves better ball players if that was my position I believe I could do could do that however that is not my position um, but um, that I, I, I would make the assumption that yes eventually that's what you know you as a coach as a um, data technician having that understanding to be able to make that data more comprehensible for the player more understandable bring some understanding for the player would be beneficial for you to be here is incredible not just because you're a woman but your story your husband passed away you have kids you they, they you obviously uh raised them while still working in sports uh, i've got a wife and a kid like and i'm working with sports is a, is a really challenging thing i are you able to reflect on your life and where you're sitting right now and what you're doing and the sacrifices that it took and the people that have been there to support you and just everything that goes along with that? Oh, man, it's the word journey, right? It's um, the journey is basically, you know, the adventure over the passage of time, right? So I think that that you have to look at it from that is that it's been it's been um, a process that's unfolded over the long haul. And I'm very grateful. I'm very blessed um, that this is where, you know, the, my direction led, and I, it's been nice to be able to come back to the game of baseball. Can you talk about that family support a little bit, especially with, with your kids and what they've meant to you as you've gone on this journey? My boys, they're great, because, you know, being a single parent, there were times when you just couldn't be two places at once, and so we, when it came to the f- sports, we had to make sacrifices of, like, what sport we were going to play, and I was thankful that they ended up liking football and lacrosse that were opposite seasons than, you know, when, when I was my coaching season, because that certainly was helpful, but my boys have been very supportive. I think, you know, the one thing that I've always wanted to provide for them as a mother is not just somebody who can put food on the table and clothes on their back or a roof over their head, but I wanted them to see me as the parent who is still pursuing their dream, and I think that I've done that. How important is it, and I think all women in the game, because you're right, that we're seeing more and more women get into the game in, in so many different areas, but there's still not a lot. Does that put pressure on people like you to go out, to do a good job, to, to represent everybody well, to just to help open future doors, if that makes sense? I have not felt pressure in that regards. I think if anything, like anything you do when you're laying a foundation, you just want to go out there and do it well, and hopefully somebody will be inspired or have the same willingness to do it. I know in in my time in the girls' game, I came through when my senior year was the first year of the SEC conference, and my university, um, South Carolina, we won it. And so, you know, we laid that foundation for, you know, future teams. You know, this is the expectation. And then, you know, I know the pro league was around and, you know, just trying to create longevity in the game. So I think as more girls find interest and then are also willing to commit to that, you know, we'll start seeing more young women in the game. Are you ready for those bus trips across the Midwest league? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Sure. I mean, that's one thing being a collegiate coach and a former athlete. I mean, bus trips are part of it, you know, and even bus breakdowns. It's all part of it, right? Really nice to get to know you a little bit. Best of luck this season. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Really interesting story. That is Christina Whitlock joining us. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on KMOX. The Budweiser Ballpark Pass gives Cardinals fans the ability to go to every home game for just $34.99 a month. 
All you need is a smartphone. For details or to purchase, visit cardinals.com slash pass. This is Ameren Countdown to Opening Day. Alongside of Mike Claiborne, I'm Matt Pauley. The Cardinals will be playing two games in London this year. Recently at Cardinals Spring Training, Jonathan Webb, part of MLB International, an individual who's based out of London. He came over to the United States to watch Cardinals Spring Training, and he opened up his conversation with Claves, just talking about uh, his experience up until that point uh, watching Cardinals Spring Training. Yeah, it's been great to come over and firstly see how spring training operates and see how the, the, the ball teams um, prepare for the season. We've obviously got Harry Brook, who's an international superstar cricketer, um, coming over to just try out a bit of bat- batting. Um, he's he's yeah, kind of hit the international stage in cricket by storm and, and dominating that scene. And um, yeah, we, in in Europe, in London, we're trying to grow the game of baseball, and we, we've took him on board as a kind of MLB Europe ambassador. Um, and so yeah, we've got him along, meeting the guys, um, trying out a bit of batting, um, and just getting a sense of the whole thing really. So um, there's a bit of content that'll be produced from on the back of this, um, and then uh, that'll be released kind of 100 days to go from from the London series. So yeah, really excited. Lots lots of exciting stuff going on. Well, if he gets in the batter's box and can handle a bat like he can a cricket out uh, piece, then we might have to keep him. Maybe yeah. I think he. Uh, He's seen the money over here, so he's uh, he knows what's at stake. But no, he, he I think he's he's had some good fun over in the cages, learning the, the kind of swing technique. It's obviously a very different technique. Whilst it's bat and ball, it's very different. So I think, I think he's taken taken it pretty taken it on pretty well. Um, and we're going to do some challenges out in the in the backfield. I think a bit later on. So you know, we talk about cricket, similar to baseball. But, you know, there are a few things that are similar, but it, it's a different animal. But, you know, you, you have something in your hand to swing at, and you have a ball to yeah. swing at, so that, there are some basics to work from right there. What do you see the biggest differences are uh, now that you're with Major League Baseball? I guess the, the biggest thing is the bouncing ball versus mm-hmm. the, the kind of full pitch, um, non-bouncing ball. Um, I think as a batter, which Harry, Harry is, he's in, in cricket, he's able to hit for kind of 360 degrees, so mm-hmm. behind him, in front of him. I think that skill of really trying to get it through the obviously the white lines um, in play is, is is hugely different. And I think the the, um, the on the fielding side and the pitching side, there's a lot more, um, I guess, variation and, and kind of different techniques for the different kind of balls. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been fascinating fascinating to see how they kind of prepare. This is, f- this is the first trip for St. Louis Cardinals and their fans going to London to watch baseball. Give me an idea of what the facility looks like and what fans can expect when they hit London. Yeah, so the, the ballpark will be um, transformed from a, what is usually a football field. So West Ham play in the Premier League at London Stadium. Um, the stadium was originally built for London Olympics back in 2012. Um, and the transformation in, in itself is pretty special just to see it go from a, a football field to a, a, a kind of a American ballpark. Um, but it's a, yeah, it's a great venue. It's, it's obviously hosts just I think just over sixty thousand people, so it'd be a pretty big ballpark in terms of comparison to the, the capacities over here. Um, so over the two two days, one hundred twenty thousand people come to see Major League Baseball is going to be pretty special. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great obviously open kind of window for, for MLB as a sport to grow internationally. Um, and yeah, UK is a big market. There's a, there's a real strong appetite for the sport. So um, it's it's really growing in in, in England. Yeah, there's there's a really good fan base. Obviously, um, avid kind of fans who you know, have their own teams and, and follow it kind of religiously. And I think the challenge for us as a as a, as a game is to kind of broaden that out and, and um, you know, get those kind of more general sports fans to lean into into baseball as a sport and, and everything that comes with baseball. Um, so it's yeah, really exciting opportunity, big challenge ahead for us. We've got the London Series this year, twenty five, uh, sorry, twenty four. Um, and then through to 26, there'll be baseball in, in Europe. So, yeah, exciting opportunity. 
What is it like on a youth level? Because, you know, any sport that has a chance to grow, you have to have kids playing it. So do you have any youth programs involved in London at this point? Yeah, there's, there's a number of um, kind of recreational leagues that are happening um, and MLB as a business work closely with those organisations and obviously our, there's three key pillars to um, MLB internationally is, is playing, is content and is events and those three key pillars are really important and by having the games hopefully you know, come over each year for the foreseeable future um, that inspires people to pick up a bat and a ball to go and, go and play. So, yeah, there's 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 definitely lots of different layers to it. But it's, um, yeah, definitely having games over in 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 the city and in in the market is is really exciting and hopefully inspire people to to get involved and start playing. So you're with MLB International and you're based in London. What are some of the other programs that you're involved in that MLB is trying to become more global, starting in Europe? Yeah, there's, there's there's a number of things. Obviously, having a London series is a massive focal point, and, and a, as I said earlier, a real opportunity to um, grow the game and, and inspire people to either watch, follow, play, play the sport. Um, there's there's a, there's a digital content team that do a brilliant job at, at covering the sport and telling the, the stories that sit behind the sport and bringing that to life in a really kind of compelling way to new fans, which is which is really exciting. Um, but as I said, you know, there's there's a number of kind of play participation initiatives that are going on um, we did Home Run Derby X last year in London and that was obviously something that's, that was um, pushed kind of more globally as well so um, there's, there's plenty of stuff to go, go um, to, to, to bring to life and, and celebrate but as I say London series is, is a huge focus for us in Europe to, to bring that to life a bit more Jonathan Webb, I'm going to work on my accent. Jolly good, eh? I'm going to work on that a little bit. Hey, thank you for your time, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you in London later this year. Look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Jonathan Webb from MLB International talking with Mike Claiborne. We're back to wrap up hour number one in just a moment. It's countdown to opening day on the Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. Countdown to opening day presented by Amron continues here across the Cardinals radio network. Saturday, April 1st, the Cardinals host the Blue Jays and 25,000 fans ages 16 and older will take home a mystery pitching bobblehead of Molina or Pujols courtesy of Central Bank. Go to cardinals.com slash promotions for tickets and all the information. I do want to mention this as we are into our final show of uh, this year's run of Countdown to Opening Day. We're just uh, a little bit more than a week out from the actual opening day taking place. That's going to be coming up next Thursday, March 30th, when they match up the Blue Jays. We certainly appreciate uh, everybody being tuned in across the entire Cardinals radio network. Want to hear where you happen to be listening uh, from, where you've been listening uh, all season long. So uh, drop me a tweet. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air, and let us know uh, where across Cardinals Nation you are listening to Countdown to Opening Day and where you're going to be listening to uh, Cardinals baseball coming up all season long. In hour number two of the program, we've got a lot coming up. Uh, we're going to hear from Tyler O'Neill. He recently returned to Cardinals camp after being at the World Baseball Classic, a conversation with him coming up. Also, we're going to uh, relive a really cool moment from last year when Yadier Molina, Albert Pujols, and Adam Wainwright all walked off the field together. That's going to be this week's snapshot. That's all coming up as we continue on in just a moment. It's Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. 
We are back. It's hour number two of Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amron, the final edition of the program this offseason. Next week, Cardinals baseball. It officially returns alongside Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Paul. He helped Cardinals care raise funds for children in the community by purchasing a spring training 50-50 rollover raffle ticket presented by DraftKings at Casino Queen. One lucky winner will win 50% of the jackpot, must be 18, and in the state of Missouri at time of purchase, visit cardinals.com slash 50-50 for tickets. The uh, World Baseball Classic coming to an end. Japan knocking off the United States. Tyler O'Neill played for Team Canada. He recently rejoined Cardinals camp and had a conversation with our own Tom Ackerman. The first thing O'Neill talked about was his experience at the WBC. It was so fun out there. Um, just just so honored to be able to represent my country again on the global stage. Um, you know, just a different sense of pride out that way. Um, you know, it was a great time out there. We got a couple wins. You know, the Baseball Canada showing goods. A lot of young talent. And uh, again, I'm just fortunate to be a part of it. Just to be representing your country to be playing also at a high level where there's adrenaline there's a lot involved that had to be helpful no doubt yeah it was uh very very intense ball games out that way you know playoff environments uh the fans are into it you know us players we are 100 invested into every game every pitch uh just just so fun to play those types of ball games here, here in the middle of march um you know again just thankful for that opportunity and uh ready to move forward and get ready for opening day now yeah absolutely it's coming fast isn't it and you're back in jupiter working out with your team the st louis cardinals how do you see things shaping up let's first talk as a team how do you see this team uh, yeah, no, I mean, we, we got we got all the tools in the basket that we need. Um, you know, we got a great-looking offense. You know, being able to sign Wilson there is going to add a lot of depth in our lineup. Um, you know, our pitching staff is always so solid along with our defense. So, uh, you know, it's just a matter of time before we put it all together, and I'm excited to see what we can do over 160 games. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. What about for you? How do you see your role as you move forward here in 23? Yeah, you know, I spent a lot, a lot of hard work this year, you know, living, living in St. Louis and using the, the knowledge and the uh, the the depth of our training staff here and uh, just being able to get my body as ready as I can be coming into the 23 season. Um, you know, I'm feeling great heading into spring here and, uh, you know, midway through now, you know, like you said earlier, Tom, you know, playing in the WBC was such a good experience and, uh, you know, I feel like I'm in a good spot mentally with my approach and where my, where my body's at physically. Um, you know, I'm just excited to finish out camp here strong, um, you know, stick with a good routine and just uh, ready to rock an opening day. You help this team in a variety of ways and let's talk about those real quick. First, at the play, how do you see yourself as a hitter? You do have that great power, but how do you approach it? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I just understand who I am and, and what kind of hitter I profile as. You know, it's not getting, not trying to get away from that. Um, you know, I want to want to be aggressive in my approach and uh, stick with my game plan. You know, making sure I'm doing my homework and understanding uh, pitchers' tendencies and what they're trying to do to me up there. And uh, you know, obviously understanding who's behind me wherever I'm hitting in the order. So. Um, you know, there's a lot of learning learning process involved in that. You know, it's uh, it's been a crazy couple of years for me, and um, you know, I'm I'm just excited to put it all into fruition and, and wrap it all up, and uh, you know, just trust the work ethic that I've put into this offseason in St. Louis, and uh, let it go from there. Tyler, you also have great speed, but speed isn't just the biggest thing on the base pass you also have to be smart and have to be a decision maker how do you see yourself as a base runner yeah no i mean i i, I can be a threat out there um you know if i if, I, if i'm needed to steal steal a bag or two you know i have that ability of course um uh, but like you said you know it's about being smart understanding the situation um you know under, under, understanding uh, where we're at in the game understanding the situation uh, understanding how i'm feeling uh, understanding our scouting reports and uh, and the intel that our that our coaching staff has uh you know those guys work so hard to put us in the best position to succeed as possible so um you know just trying to help this ball club win in any way that i can what about in terms of the rules changes pitch timer um and things like that and, and the bigger base 
basis. How do you view all of that, and how has that worked so far? You didn't have it in the WBC, but you will here. Yeah, I know it's. Um, yeah, I, I'm a. I'm uh, in favor of all the changes that have um, come into come into light here in spring training. You know that pitch clock has really revealed how slow the game has been uh, in recent past. You know I really saw in the WBC without the pitch clock that uh, you know the, they can drag on the games can drag on a little bit and things can get slow. But um, you know here it, things are very quick. You know the ball the pitch is coming. Uh, you know thankfully it doesn't really affect me too much. I don't have too much uh, in between pitch movements. You know I kind of stand in there anyway and I'm ready ready for whatever's coming. So uh, I, li- I like all the changes. You know bigger bases going to promote some. Base stealing you know along with the pitch clock uh you know shorter distance to run even you know a couple inches is a, is a lot in this game uh, especially at the professional level so i am uh i'm a full advocate for all of it this is gold glove outfielder tyler o'neill left field you've won that award center field you can play that as well how do you see those two positions and how they differ yeah um you know i was definitely been comfortable in left field the last few years um you know like you said there i won a couple gold gloves out there and you know just really got a feel for my surroundings and uh you know what the ball looks like different stadiums how it comes off the bat righty lefty you know it spins off differently um you know i had my had another lick in center field at the end of last season you know first time since 18 19 i think um i I love it out there you know it's uh the ball comes off more trues a little more ground to cover um you know just getting used to how how it looks out in the backdrop you know it's a big difference being able to get those jumps off the bat uh and you know just like anything it comes with reps and and understanding your surroundings and get and getting comfortable and sinking my feet in um but you know i'm excited for whatever opportunities come in my way you know uh, i'm excited for center field um you know i'm excited for left field whatever whatever it may be you know i'm up for the challenge whatever whatever that is and uh ready willing and able just a couple quick things left for tyler o'neill the other aspect of being a great player for this team you got to be a great teammate and and how do you see you all supporting each other in this journey it is a long journey you all are really family yeah it's definitely a long year you know where we get together first couple days of february and all the way uh you know hopefully until the end of october and into november so it's uh it's a long long year you know you gotta get a long got a long time to understand your teammates uh you know understand their tendencies their personalities get to know them uh really gel with that chemistry in the locker room you know we got a great group of guys here you know we're uh we're thankfully led by some stout vets uh you know so much success have had so much so much success in this league uh we've got so much young talent coming up and uh you know you saw the impact that some of those rookies had last year you know what how great was that to see uh and you know whatever's coming after that so uh you know just so much excitement in this organization and again i'm just grateful to be a part of this you know the last thing is you and i you actually inspired me you and i talked during the pandemic and about your piano playing and i played growing up and i stopped for a long time i started taking lessons again wow i started doing it 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 is really great you still play and how do you keep yourself uh how do you keep up on it yeah, I'm an occasional player, you know, nothing serious. Um, you know, thankfully, my parents got me involved in early age, and I learned in uh, the Conservatory Canada. Uh, you know, it's uh, the old-timer music and stuff, Beethoven, Bach, and those guys. And, um, you know, just, just learning the scales and, you know, how, how the keys work and what works together and then which keys and scales work together. Um, you know, that's really what it comes down to, in my opinion. No, I don't sound too intelligent here, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, being able to mesh a couple keys together and, and, and feeling what sounds good and then creating your own rhythm off of that. You know, it's all, it's all beneficial and helpful, uh, at least in my eyes, you know, because in the batter's box, even, you know, I have a rhythm in there. And, and, and out in the outfield, I have a rhythm out there, you know, just how I'm stepping and how I'm moving, how my hands work, all that stuff. So, you know, it's all, it all goes in unison and all meshes together. So, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for that ability. Yeah, well, two things, the baseball and piano playing have in common. you got to practice to be good, don't you? No <laughs> doubt. It's, uh, man, it's, the piano is it's so tough. And uh, along with this game of baseball, it's uh, such a tough game to score up a round bat and a round ball. But, uh, you know, we do it as much as we can and we have fun with it. I really appreciate your time. It's great to see you back here. Tyler O'Neill with us 
on Countdown to Opening Day. We're getting close. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. That's our own Tom Ackerman talking with Tyler O'Neill, and this is Countdown to Opening Day presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. Countdown to opening day presented by Amron does continue. It is our final edition of this 2023 offseason as we're about a week out from opening day taking place at Bush Stadium. With it being our final edition, it is also our final edition of Snapshot. We have been doing it throughout the course of the offseason where we look back at a big moment, a big game from this past season. And for today, we are going to go back to the final home game of the regular season back on October 7th when the Cardinals were matched up against the Pittsburgh Pirates. And it is the final regular season start for Adam Wainwright. And what do you know, also in the lineup, catcher, Yadier Molina, and first baseman Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols had a pretty solid finish to the season. We had his 700th home run on the show last week, and Pujols was a big part of this game as well. In fact, he would get things going in the first inning. The pitch on the way, a swing and a line drive down the left field line, a fair ball! That hits off the sidewall, two runs are going to score. Pujols moves into second with a two-run double. Two-nothing Cardinals in the first inning. That's part of a three-run first, and the Cardinals jump out to a 3-0 lead. Adam Wainwright, after throwing a scoreless first inning, comes back out for the second, and after issuing a walk to Jack Sawinski, faces off against Rodolfo Castro. His curveball was rolling. Here's a pitch, straight call, outside corner. That curveball off the corner and caught Castro. A first strikeout for Wainwright. The first strikeout of the day for Wainwright. Ben Gamble would hit a three-run home run there in the second inning, and that would tie the game up at three apiece. But Albert Pujols back at it in the third inning. The Pirates have a 4-3 lead after they were able to push across a run in the top of the third, but in the bottom of the third, Pujols comes up to the plate with one out. And here he is pitching against the great Albert Pujols. The one-strike pitch is hit high and deep to center field. Backing up towards the track, looking up, and it's gone! Albert Pujols has homered the straightaway center field. Home run number 702. And not only that, he just caught Babe Ruth in RBIs. His 23rd home run of the year. And the crowd is going crazy here at Bush Stadium. And that evens up the game at four apiece. Now the Cardinals... They don't end up winning this game, but uh, the thing that we will all remember, one of the really more iconic scenes of the 2022 season, it takes place in the fifth inning. Uh, the Cardinals would give up some runs. In fact, uh, Jack Sawinski, uh, he is at the plate with runners on, facing off against Adam Wainwright. Wainwright from the belt. The kick, the pitch, a swing, and that ball is lined into right center, a base hit. That scores Cruz, and the Pirates have taken a 6-5 to lead. It was after that hit from Jack Sawinski that we would see one of the coolest things that happened all season long as Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel comes out from the dugout to lift Adam Wainwright. But not only does he lift Wainwright, he lifts Albert Pujols, and he lifts Yadier Molina as the three players are able to walk out together. I still kind of get chills thinking about it right now. It was such a cool moment watching those three players walk off the field at Bush Stadium together 
for a final time. And that's one of those moments where it really doesn't happen. What well, doesn't matter what else happened uh, in the game. In fact, uh, in the seventh inning, Brian Reynolds hits a home run. The Pirates end up winning this game by a 7-5 score. But it is that iconic image of Wainwright, Molina, and Pools all coming out of the game together when uh, Wainwright uh, left. Uh, but the Cardinals do end up losing that game. Afterwards, Albert Pujols and Adam Wainwright did speak with the media. We'll start with uh, Albert Pujols, the audio courtesy of Valley Sports Midwest. Pretty awesome. I mean, pretty emotional. Obviously, uh, something that you <clears throat> you kind of expect in it, but, you know, obviously, just really just a great day, you know, but obviously it sucks that we got the loss at the end, but, uh, you know, I think uh, that's not going to ruin, you know. A special day and the special ceremony that we have today. You still have playoffs to go, big events to come, but to have a home run in your final regular season game at Bush, what, what does that mean to you? Well, it's pretty good. I mean, uh, I wasn't planning on it. My job was to just go out there and try to do the best way I can to help my ball club to win, and that's it, like always, you know. You, uh, you've been very intentional about showing appreciation for the fans. You did that again today, packed house. Energized the fan base. What does the fans support over your career in St. Louis meant to you? It's uh, mental. I, I, so I think I expressed that right before the game. You know, I've been expressing that all year long. So um, at the end of the day, just uh, you know, really blessed to be back here and uh, really finishing my career. You know, where everything started to me means a lot. And you know, obviously, a lot of things had to go the right way uh, for me to be here. And uh, you know, I'm just glad. That, to get this opportunity. Albert, for you and Gotti and Wayno to walk off together, was that a cool moment for you, to be able to walk off together with the three of them? Yeah, I mean, this is great, but uh, you know, at the same time, we have more games to play, so it's not like it's a last game. You know, it's pretty good to do it here in front of our fans, and, uh, you know, I know Wayno's can be a little disappointing, you know, he wish he would have got the win or pitch better, but, you know, not everything can go perfect. At the end of the day, I think, uh, you know, we're just really excited, and, uh, now three more games left in the regular season and get ready for postseason. Uh, what's that conversation like with Ali on the That's not for me to share with you guys. Let's stay between us and the clubhouse. Wainwright also spoke to the media. The audio also courtesy of Valley Sports Midwest. That was a cool uh, time for Albert and Yadi and, and our whole team to see, you know, how, cel- how St. Louis celebrates um, you know, some of the greatest players ever, not just Cardinals, but players ever. And uh, St. Louis did a great job. The fans did a great job today, and Cardinals did a great job setting all that up. I mean, it was a really cool show. Bits of history were made along the way this season, along with winning baseball. It seemed to really energize the fan base. It seemed like they have been there pretty much every step. Yeah, it's been, it's been, uh, I posted this, some like this on Twitter the other day, too. Just, uh, I just think this is probably the best I've ever seen our crowd ever since I've been here. Even, you know, I, I think we've been showing up like it's the playoffs in regular season games, and, and I'm sure these these guys retiring have something to do with that. But, uh, you know, we played some good baseball this year. Our fans are excited to see our, our, our uh, success, I think, too. Did you, did you re-script it or did you add that out there? No, I didn't script it. Um, just felt like I was whatever was going to come out was what, what needed to. So uh, just kind of went with the flow. Was it planned for all three of you guys to come out at the same time, or did Ollie come out and give that to you right when you walked out there? And what was that like? No, he—that was a surprise to me. I didn't, you know, I didn't know. I, I think uh, the plan was for me to go about 50 pitches and dominate and get get on track and get out of there. Um, and then, you know, we just got some more kinks, so we had to keep working out. But uh, I was I was proud to walk off the field with those guys, even though I was pouting a little bit. Um, still a, a good moment for me, you know, to be able to to say I was 
teammates with two of the greatest ever. And that was it for the home portion of the regular season for the Cardinals. Now, that was that weird deal where they played six straight games against the Pirates to uh, finish out the regular season. That uh, was connected to the uh, lockout because they were supposed to play the Pirates early in the year, and the series got moved from early in the year to the end of the year. They ended up losing two out of three against Pittsburgh to uh, wrap up the regular season in games that really uh, did not matter. But it was that day on October 2nd when Albert uh, Pujols, Yadier Molina, and Adam Wainwright walk off the mound together. That was very, very cool. And uh, that is the final edition, at least the final 2023 edition of Snapshot. As you're listening to the Countdown to Opening Day show, we've still got a lot coming up. Don't go anywhere right here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. Back at it, it's Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Amron alongside Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauley. Sunday, April 2nd, the Cardinals host the Blue Jays. That day, 25,000 fans ages 16 and older will take home a long-sleeve hooded pullover. Kids 15 and younger can participate in a post-game run the bases. Thanks to HiChu, visit cardinals.com slash promotions for all the information. That's part of uh, opening weekend, and with that, uh, we are very happy to uh, welcome on Joe Strom from the Cardinals. He is the Vice President of uh, Ticket Sales. As uh, maybe you haven't bought your Cardinals tickets quite yet for this year, you still have an opportunity to do so. In fact, Joe, um, I'm sure a lot of people listening probably assume that opening day tickets are uh, not available. But actually, if uh, folks want to attend opening day, there is still an opportunity to do that. No, we still have a limited number of tickets remaining for opening day. Uh, for those that have been to opening day, they know it's it's a, a unique here in St. Louis and it's very special day. And for those that have never attended an opening day, um, that's one of those things that should be on everyone's bucket list. And this should be the year that you should come. Uh, we do have a limited number of tickets remaining. We'll have 46,000-plus fans in the ballpark that day. Uh, but the real activities with opening day really start pre-game, uh, where we have the Clydesdales, where we will introduce the Hall of Famers and have them come out in their red jackets. And, of course, we'll probably highlight uh, Scott Rowland this year on his in- induction into the Cooperstown Hall of Fame. So it's going to be a special day, but a limited number of tickets still remain, and they start as low as $44. Thursday, March 30th against the Blue Jays, a 310 scheduled first pitch. What time should people be in their seats? Well, I can tell people the gates will open at noon, but the activities, and this is on opening day, this is really what I call the opener, is the activities with the Clydesdales will start about 220. So you'll want to be in your seats and be ready to go at 220 when the uh, Clydesdales will make their appearance out of the right field wagon gate. Uh, But again, gates open at noon, so get there early uh, so that you don't uh, everyone come in at one time and have lines, get in the ballpark early and enjoy the activities. And then overall, after that Thursday game, there's an off day Friday, but the Blue Jays will will stick around and uh, opening weekend is just that with games coming up on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, opening weekend is very special in St. Louis as well. Uh, We expect large crowds both days. Uh, We do have tickets remaining for the Saturday and Sunday game. They start as low as $10. Saturday is going to be a fun day at the ballpark, a really neat giveaway on April Fool's Day. Uh, We have bobbleheads of Albert and Yachty impersonating Bueno, and they're going it's the bobbleheads of them pitching last year. So it's kind of unique on April Fool's Day uh, that the bobbleheads are uh, two great uh, hitters. Albert and Yachty, but we're going to uh, do the bobblehead when they made their appearances as a pitcher last year. And then on Sunday, uh, Sunday's always special at Bush Stadium. Uh, it's We do a lot of activities for kids that day. Uh, this year, it's going to be the return of run the bases after the game. So the kids can go down on the field after the game and run the bases. They haven't been able to do that for a couple of years because of COVID, so we're glad to bring that back. 
Uh, also on, on Sunday, with tickets starting at $10, there's also a number of seats that also have the ability to add a hot dog and soda that will be included when you purchase your ticket because it is a family Sunday. So uh, you can get the $10 tickets along with hot dog and soda with a number of tickets and uh, enjoy your your day at the ballpark. Overall speaking, Saturday-Sunday games all season long are a great opportunity for fans because you guys always have something, whether it's an event, whether it's a giveaway, it doesn't matter. Saturday and Sundays are always events at Bush Stadium. That's exactly what we try to do, and we try to make them uh, where it's more than just the ball game, and it's a, it's a great family outing. Uh, some of the giveaways are for adults, some for kids. We also have unique themes uh, uh, where there might be activities going on in the Budweiser Terrace. So we try to make it affordable, and uh, it all starts out with the opening weekend with the Blue Jays. And the other thing I point out, what we're seeing is kind of unique. This is the first time that we're opening up against an American League team, and that's what we're going to see a lot of the American League teams this year because we will face every American League team. Half of them will be here in St. Louis, half of them will be on the road, and that will flip-flop every year. But now uh, with interleague play, we will face every team in baseball. If folks want tickets, how do they go about getting them? Easiest way to get tickets is cardinals.com, and uh, you're going to want to be here uh, on that opening weekend, special, special, special time. That's Joe Strom. He is the vice president of ticket sales with the Cardinals. As uh, we continue on with countdown to opening day, stick with us. A lot more coming up across the Cardinals radio network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. Peanuts Night returns to the ballpark on Monday, April 3rd with the purchase of a special theme ticket. Fans receive an exclusive Cardinals-inspired Schroeder bobblehead. Get your tickets today at cardinals.com slash theme. Another cool event coming up, the Heart Walk. That's going to be on May 13th at Bush Stadium. Very happy to welcome on Vice President of Development with the American Heart Association, Megan Hoffman. Megan, thank you for taking some time. Let's start with this. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of this event and uh, what you guys do at the American Heart Association. So the Heart Walk is one of the American Heart Association's core events here in St. Louis. Um, It's a great event. It's a family-friendly event. We have about 80 companies throughout the community that participate. All um, funds raised are going towards research um, to save lives from heart disease and stroke. The Heart Walk, though, is a fun event. Like I said, it brings together families, coworkers, and friends to have fun all while helping the the people in the St. Louis community at the same time. I see. Uh, I'm looking at the website right now, and I, I see what your goal is, and I see where you're at. Uh, and you've still got a little bit of a, a distance between where you're at and, and the goal. How much does the Heart Walk each year uh, add to what you're trying to get to? So the Heart Walk each year raises over a million dollars. Wow. This year, our goal is to raise um, a little over a million, so one point one million. Uh, we are on track. We have a couple months to go. Like I said, right now we have about 80 companies participating, and we'll see close to 3,000 participants out there raising money for us. It's a, And this is happening at Bush Stadium, which is really, really cool. So uh, for Cardinals fans, there's an opportunity to uh, obviously be around the ballpark. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the, the connection with the Cardinals and, and Bush Stadium and how all that works? Of course. So the Cardinals have been a wonderful partner of ours throughout the the past few years. Um, So we do hold our walk at the stadium. We have a one and a three mile route that goes through downtown. No matter what route you do, everyone finishes inside the stadium. The last lap is on the warning track on the field. So Cardinals fans love it. They actually get to go down on the field and be part of it. 
yeah, how cool is it when you see them? Like, I, I just can't. Uh, I, I can only imagine what it's like for some people who have never gotten that opportunity to. They've been going to games all their lives, and now they get the opportunity to be down on that field. It's so fun. It's so fun, especially like seeing the little kids so excited to be down there. We have seen um, wedding proposals happen <laughs> at the Heart Walk down on the field. So it's it's really a great experience for those um, folks that are huge Cardinals fans, which is all of St. Louis. I'm um I'm looking at the website a little bit and I see some other cool things. Whether it's the opportunity to uh, redeem gear, or uh, redeem rewards for gear, and uh, activity trackers and challenges. Like, so there's a lot more that's going along with this than than just the walk and even just the Bush Stadium part of it. There is, there is. So um, we are one of the few events that we don't charge an entry fee to participate. However, we do encourage our participants to raise funds through um, asking their friends and family members for donations. We have some really great rewards that we give um, out for those people that do raise funds. We know that people like incentives, and so our incentives are really awesome. Um, And then 30 days prior to the walk, so starting in April, April 13th, we do a Move More challenge with all of our companies where we are tracking activity. Um, We have a leaderboard that will start showing up on the website. So, yeah. Not only are we promoting the walk, but we are promoting wellness, and we inc- we want our participants to get out and move more, just not on May 13th. So we do do some fun challenges with folks. If folks want more information, if they want to sign up, get all the details, what's the best way to do it? They can visit our website, which is org, or they can certainly call the local American Heart Association office at 314 314- Six nine two five six six one. That's Megan Hoffman. The Heart Walk is on May thirteenth. This is countdown to opening day. Mike Claiborne rejoins me in a moment on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now back to the countdown to opening day show presented by Amron on KMOX. We're back one final time, literally one final time, final segment of our final edition of Countdown to Opening Day here across the Cardinals Radio Network, presented by Amron, alongside Mike Claiborne, who's still in Jupiter. My name is Matt Pauly, and uh, Claibs, we're watching some of these uh, roster battles continue to move forward, and someone who's really not even getting the opportunity to battle for a spot is Paul DeYoung as he continues to deal with injuries. And now all of a sudden you look at the runway left in in spring training and it's just becoming more and more clear that uh, he is likely to start the season on the injured list. And he really did not do much for himself here during spring training. No, it's unfortunate. Um, Even when he was healthy, he wasn't as effective. You know, I mean, there were flashes, but we've been seeing flashes for like the last three years. Uh, Just nothing to to put a a real good combination together. Uh, And, you know, Matt, when you start to look at the future, and the resurgence uh, of Mason Wynn, uh, you have to wonder, does he even have a role in the organization? I mean, you know, you're, you're solid with Edmund. Mason Wynn's in the wing. You know, Brendan, Brendan Donovan's there. I mean, there are all these guys that really have kind of passed him up. And while, you know, he has some major league experience, he was an all-star and things of that nature, that, that's so far in the rearview rear mirror, you have to ask yourself the question, what, what is his role? What will it be? Who will he surplant? And I just don't see it by what I've seen so far this spring that maybe he goes to Memphis and rehabs and gets it squared away. Uh, I thought that at the beginning of the year, working with Turner Ward and also Brandon Allen, who had him in Memphis, did we get something going? Well, the injury cropped up and, 
you know, he just hasn't been effective, and, and I just don't know what the future holds. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him once he can start playing again. Essentially, when he gets that injury rehab assignment started at Memphis, uh, that's going to turn into his spring training, but there is a very limited amount of time that he's going to have there, and there's going to be a ton of pressure for him to perform because he's still going to be holding on to a very precious 40-man roster spot. Well, and then you throw in the fact that he probably would just stay here in Florida in, in, in rehab here compared to trying to go into some, you know, dicey weather in Memphis or whenever their season starts. Uh, so he may be here for a while. So they're going to have to – some ro- roster jockeying is going to have to take place here in order to make sure, as you mentioned, you know, 40-man roster spots are valuable. Cardinals have 39, and I'm thinking they're saving 40 for Mr. Walker. Um, but, you know, you may need some help elsewhere. And so – it's going to be a real challenge to see how he comes back. And, and again, when he comes back and he's good to go, what, well, what do you do with Tommy Edmond? If he's playing well, I mean, I just think it's going to re- be a real challenge for them to find uh, ample playing time for him to contribute in the manner they would hope. I mean, and that's where we're at now. We yeah. can't expect anything. we got to hope now. And some of it comes down to how comfortable are the Cardinals with Brendan Donovan starting at shortstop once every two weeks, starting at third base once every two weeks, whenever whenever Edmund and whenever Arnado needs a day off. If if they're totally comfortable with Donovan being at those two positions, I think you do start to look at the roster and see what kind say what kind of role does does a Paul DeYoung really have. Well, and, and here's the other thing, and, and that's a, a position we really haven't talked a great deal about with regard to another middle infielder. Now, obviously, Nolan Gorman can play third and play second, but from a shortstop standpoint, we really don't have a natural shortstop uh, unless you're looking at a Revis or a Caracudo or someone like that. And I don't think they perform that well to the point where you say they're worth putting on a 40-man. The Now, this is a really good conversation to be having because when we're talking about who's going to fill these roles when guys have a day off, that means we're talking about backup roles and not primary roles. But another one of those questions is who's going to play first base on the day that Paul Goldschmitz doesn't play. We've seen Juan Yepes there. We've seen Alec Burleson there. It feels like between those two guys, the guy who hits a little bit better will probably make the team and be that fourth or fifth outfielder and also can play a little bit over at first base. I think that's probably Yepes as we speak. Burleson has, has just not been able to put enough good at-bats together so far. That doesn't mean he can't, but, you know, we're running out of at-bats to give out, all right? So I, I look at his situation as one that's a little bit more dire because you have a left-handed DH in Nolan Gorman. You've got a left-handed guy in Brendan Donovan. You've got a switch hitter in Tommy Edmond, all guys that can play the same positions. Um, so when you look at the right side, it's kind of like Juan Yepes. And remember, you and I talked about, Yepes and DeYoung perhaps battling for the DH spot from the right side. Well, DeYoung is not part of it by default, and I haven't seen anybody else. Now, here's, here's an outside shot. Outside shot, but the problem is you're going to have to make a roster decision. And this Taylor Motter, yeah. who, who has swung the bat well recently, uh, but I, I always wonder for a guy who's 33 and has played less than a year Major League Service, uh, y- you have to wonder why is that the case? So, and when you look at all the stops that he's made, I mean, is he a short-term solution? Perhaps. Uh, but when you do that, again, you, you, you're tinkering with the 40-man roster, and those things are not as easy to maneuver with as you may think. 
No, especially for the Cardinals, whose roster is, is so deep. We saw them uh, lose a player when they opened up a 40-man roster spot, a guy who was a, a top-30 prospect. So it just we I don't mean to like go back to the exact same conversation we've had multiple times, but there is pressure on this organization and pressure on John Mozeliak at some point to relieve some of this 40-man pressure, or, or you're going to lose these guys for absolutely nothing. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and how they fix that, that's the $64,000 question. That's why they pay more the big bucks. Mike Claiborne, Matt Pauly, continuing on with you. It is that countdown to opening day. Claibs, uh, from a United States perspective, like the general sports fan in the U.S., there's so many baseball fans who don't think the WBC is anything special and don't think players should be going and playing in the WBC. We see the way baseball players from other countries look at this international competition. We hear things like what Adam Wainwright had to say about him having the most fun that he's ever had playing baseball. This event is clearly very important to a lot of players. It's important to fans in other countries. It's important to some fans in the United States. But then we have situations like Jose Altuve and we have situations with Edwin Diaz and that's that allows the people who kind of are anti-WBC to come out and say, well, this event shouldn't be taking place in in the first place. Where do you stand on all this? Because it's been a really interesting discussion really over the last week or so. You know, Altuve could have got hit by a pitch from Gordon Grisecco, okay? (laughs) Uh, Diaz could have slipped in the shower. I mean, those things happen as part of baseball. I think for those who want to hang their hat on it because it's the WBC, I I just think that they, they already have an ax to grind. You know, I, I found it to be entertaining. I, I think it rejuvenates a lot of things um, when it comes to fan support. And while we baseball snobs in this country think that you can't have fun um, and we, we go by these archaic rules about what you can and can't do, what's what's in the book, uh, I find it to be good. Yeah. Uh, baseball needs – they need an infusion of youth and, and interest. Uh, you know, their average age is over 50. Nothing wrong with being over 50. But I, I think that when you look at the other sports and how they've been able to garner younger fans that are, are around for a lot longer, uh, it, it's something they have to take a long, hard look at. You know, um, when you look at the games and you look at the teams, the one thing I think that this this tournament was missing is pitching. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's enough good pitching. And, you know, it, it applies to Major League Baseball. There's never enough good pitching to go around. And that's why you see guys giving it up late. That's why you're seeing guys who don't have the control to be in the major leagues, you know, hitting people, not purposely, but, you know, they just don't have the control when they try and throw inside. Uh, but other than that, I think it's been fun. I mean, now, uh, this, this, this ballpark they're playing, they played in, you know, it's, it's never full. But you have to remember, when you have a global event, people from those other countries are already rabid fans, hence the reason why they come. And they spend a lot of money to come from different parts of the world to watch their country play. And I think that says something that you you can't do that 81 nights a year in any ballpark. Uh, But I think that in this case, it's good for the game. I I think there's some things we can walk away from thinking, is this something we might want to implement as far as the the party section and just how the fans have engaged uh, with with the celebrations and things of that nature. So there's some things I think we can learn from it. Uh, You know, you just have to keep the baseball snobs in a separate room and just, you know, feel like, you know, well, it's always been this way. Well, just because it's always been this way doesn't make it right. So I, I think you have to have a, a, a wider version and, and really be able to, as I like to say, it's okay to try vegetables from time to time. It's okay to try spinach. And, and I think in this case, I think we should take a longer look at it because it's it's a popular. I mean, other than the British with the worst uniforms in the history of mankind, 
I think everybody else made a legitimate impact on why this tournament has turned out to be so successful. We forget sometimes that sports are supposed to be fun. Life is supposed to be fun. And I don't know, I, I watched those games when they were playing Mexico and when Puerto Rico was playing and, and Venezuela, a lot of the Latin American countries. You see the way those fans are acting and they're having fun. And there's never anything wrong with that. No, I mean, it, it's supposed to be a release from everything else that goes on. And, you know, if you play the game clean and, and you do all the right things and, you know, I, I think we've seen it with the Cardinals and how they really grown with the pitch clock and how they work at a good pace. Now, we had a game the other day that went two hours and 44 minutes, and I was looking around like, you got to be kidding me. But you could sense the way both pitchers were working, taking it all the way down to three or four seconds. This, this could be a longer day. But overall, I just feel like you got to create more energy for the sport. And um, this WBC hopefully will give you some ideas. Well, Klebs, we started this show at the winter meetings, and that's it. That's going to do it for the show. It's been such a treat for me to be able to work with you on an every week basis uh, co-hosting this. And uh, before we know it, here in about a week or so, it's going to be time for Cardinal Baseball. It'll be time, and it's been a real blast to work with you as well. Uh, you know, we've known each other for a long time, but to be able to do this, as you mentioned, since the winter meetings and and have some good, fun conversations. And uh, I'm just looking forward to just having a, uh, some great conversations well into October. And if we had to stick around to the first week in November to get this thing done the right way, then that's okay by me. Yeah, I think everybody's going to be pretty all right with that. That is Mike Claiborne. My name is Matt Pauley. Thank you to uh, all the affiliates across the Cardinals Radio Network for airing this show on an every week basis. And uh, we'll be talking to you with Cardinals baseball coming up next week right here on the Cardinals Radio Network. <laughs> 